Former Miami Dolphins tight end Mike Gusecki is signed with the New England Patriots and much more here today on this mailbag episode of Locked on Dolphins. You are Locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs of Locked On Dolphins, your team every day here on the Locked On Network. Today is Friday, March 17th, 2023. And today's episode of Locked On Dolphins is brought to you by the all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. Nissan Aria, the EV for people who love to drive. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, host of Locked On NFL Scouting with Joe Marino, host of Locked On Dolphins. Been in the draft space for about 10 years. We're in the NFL coverage space, NFL team building, the Miami Dolphins. Lots of great content here on the Locked On Network, your team every day. Thank you guys for tuning into the show. Today on the show, it's power to the pot. It's all the things that you guys want to talk about. All of the things that are of top of mind for you. We've solicited the questions. We've had some news that has come through over the course of the morning, this morning here on Friday. And that is where we are committed to spending our time, the things that you want to talk about. So with that in mind, let's cover as much ground as we possibly can, starting with this question from Mr. Stubborn on Twitter. Do you expect the Dolphins to be players for Dalton Schultz now that Kaseki has been signed and may have set the tight end market? Probably not. I don't know that the Dolphins... What The the appeal of a Dalton Schultz would be that he is an all-around player who can play with his hand in the dirt, can catch footballs for you and be a modest volume passing target in the passing game. I, I genuinely don't think pass catching is of the utmost priority for this Dolphins offense. And I know there's questions about how much the Dolphins' offense has improved and the questions about the offensive line and all that, so on and so forth. But at the end of the day, Mike Isecki agreed to terms on a one-year deal up to $9 million with the New England Patriots. Uh, it's only annoying because we're going to hear about, oh, it's good to be just like Wes Welker all over again. No, it's not. I assure you it's not. Uh, I, I do think it is ironic that the Dol that the Patriots are hoarding the centerpieces of the 2019 Miami Dolphins passing offense and has the Dolphins roster has gotten player better. Those players have received less opportunity and therefore were viewed as uh, pieces to transition away from. The Patriots top three passing targets right now are Juju Smith-Schuster, Mike Kosecki, and Devontae Parker. I'm okay with it. I like our chances. I'm going to be honest. And, that, and I like Mike. But at the end of the day, good for Mike Kosecki. Uh, for finding a place that's going to afford him an opportunity. I do think he will get opportunities to catch footballs there at a, a fairly high volume and rate. Um, I'm not going to lose sleep over it. No, if he comes out and catches three touchdowns against the Dolphins and plays in the most inspired game of his life, then you know uh, I'll eat my words on it and, and we'll move on. Uh, but it's just one of 17 games. You play him twice or two of 17. And I'd be interested to know the full details of of the earnings potential for Mike, as far as he's been a player whose market I've always kind of struggled with. But as far as Mr. Stubborn, your question and, and Dalton Schultz, I think he's probably going to be in the same stratosphere. 
I would guess Mike's floor is is five or six million dollars of that nine million dollars, and then some performance incentives. That's kind of on the fringe of what the Dolphins have right now at their disposal. I, I feel like that kind of commitment to Dalton Schultz, while I would like it, um, I think if you're looking for a primary blocker to play with his hand in the dirt, there's much more feasible, economically feasible options. And the Dolphins have done that the back half of this week. They've gone out and found economically feasible alternatives that might give you 80, 85% of what a different player would that's going to cost you three, four, five times more. I don't love all of those moves, but that's kind of the ideology that we've seen the Dolphins attack. And because of that, um, they're in a position to add another blue chip roster cornerstone like Jalen Ramsey and, and rework his money and um, give yourself what you feel is a, a very strong top end talent roster for the 2023 season. Kevin wants to know if I would bring in Matt Filer, how much of an upgrade would he be at left guard? So Filer, I know kind of struggled to live up to the expectations. He was in Pittsburgh, was a utility guy, signs with the chargers dealt with some injuries. I'd roll the dice I think the question with Filer is um, how much he has left in the tank. Um, if you could get him on board for a couple million dollars, I would certainly, it's the perfect kind of player to instill in a competition with Liam Eikenberg at left guard. It's the perfect kind of player in my mind. Uh, whether or not that ultimately be is a player who's in their economic strike zone, I don't know. He might end up, you know, there's kind of a dearth. But but I will say the top of the guard market hasn't really moved other than Ben Powers. You still have Isaac Samalu who's on the free agent market. You still have Dalton Risner from Denver who's on the free agent market. I think that kind of makes it interesting. Is there going to be a log jam there until some of those top names move to in the same way that we're questioning if the top of the tight end market's been freed up or not? We'll find out. I would be interested in adding Matt Filer to the offensive line, though, to answer your question, Kevin. Yes. Sean wants to know uh, what kind of offensive regression could be coming if we run it back completely the same. Teams have the tape. Miami's going to get the offense. It'll, going to get the lineman that'll take Liam and Austin's uh, Jackson's jobs. Eric Salbert is good, but run game is going to continue to be an afterthought, especially behind that line. Yeah, I think the the identity of this team is, is certainly more of a passing-oriented team than the Kyle Shanahan offenses, right? So what kind of needle mover is Eric Azukama as compared to Trent Shurfield, who we don't know if, if he's coming back or not? It's a good question. I do think Braxton Barrios is a leg up over River Craycraft, who ended up working his way onto the active roster. Uh, I think Eric Salbert is a better blocker than any tight end the Dolphins had on the roster last year. I don't think they're done there either. Uh, I think you'll probably get at least one more body, if not two, in that room. And they'll both probably be better blockers. I think the gamble that the Dolphins are taking is, for the first time in, what, six years, having the same offensive system in consecutive seasons is going to outweigh and outboost whatever catching up the team's across the league have to do because at the end of the day, you still do have math changers on your offense. You have two math changers in Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle that the combinations of ways that way they can play off each other and how they space the field and how opposing teams sp space the field 
uh, especially if you have and, and find better answers for when a team gets super physical and gets up in your face, like the Chargers did last year, uh, that really gave the Dolphins offense problems. The hope is longer time in the system gives you a more broader lens in which to call a game offensively. Um, I think you have the, the math changers and the personnel to create problems in all different kinds of ways. It comes down to execution and a couple of different problem spots. I would say that the consistency of those two spots on the offensive line, I don't think the offensive line is some gloom and doom because uh, I do think you have two, three quality starters at, at minimum right now. Now the depth of that will be tested. It's tested for every team across the entire NFL. It's just kind of the way the league works, right? Um, I think there's more, more tooling opportunities ahead that I'm not ready to say that Miami is has missed the boat, I guess. Uh, so if they get more competition at those two offensive line spots, if they get a tight end, I think they can be a more well-rounded team and not have to be so reliant on weak side zone runs and not have to bake in quite – like you can have more plays that – pivot off of your uh, cornerstone plays. Like you have your key money plays that with the personnel that we have, this is one of the key concepts, the primary concepts of who we are as a football team. By everybody being more familiar in the system, you can add more onto that as compared to having to go back into all install again. So I think that's the thought process. I'm not guaranteeing that it's going to work. Um, but if the if the team loses the math changers, then I think the regression is quite difficult to stave off. Like you, you got to have Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill, the, uh, the identity of your offense. You run as much of your offense through them as you should, and that that's a good way to do it. Not mad about it as long as you're balanced. And when teams take away what you want to primarily do there, you have a different way to attack them to get them out of what they're doing to take away who the math changers are. And that, I think, was the problem the Dolphins had last year. That's why I think getting better blockers at the tight end position is so important to help you win the point of attack and more competition on both those two offensive line spots, which, of, of course, we all know. And before we go any further on today's show, I have to tell you about Built Bar, Built Bar March Madness. The March Madness bracket for Built is here. We know everyone has a favorite bar or puff, and now it is your time to make it count. Go to BuiltMarchMadness.com to vote on all of your favorite flavors. Me personally, if it's a puff, it's getting voted for over a bar. That's just the way it is because these things are like chewing on a cloud. They're protein bars that taste like candy bars. 100% chocolate on all their burrs. They're high in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, low in sugar. Absolutely positively delicious. They're the life hack that you did not know that you needed. Uh, when you vote in the built March Madness bracket, you will be entered into a drawing where 50 lucky locked on listeners Get a free box of Built. Not only that, one Locked On fan will win a 12-month subscription to Built to have Built's best bars or puffs delivered monthly straight to your door. You have to try Built. Built is the best protein bar ever. Seriously, you don't even think they're good for you, but they are. So visit BuiltMarchMadness.com right now to vote for your favorite bar or puff and pick up a box while you're there. You can vote every day in March, so hop in and support your pick. Continuing onward, Wade 
With the signing so far, who are you looking for in the draft? Lots of questions about the draft. Uh, P.S. Love the new show with you and Joe Marino. Yes, Locked On NFL Scouting here on the Locked On Network. Your team every day. Joe and I committed to team building five days a week on the Locked On NFL Scouting show. We have a lot of fun with that. I'm still looking at tight end and offensive line. Perhaps linebacker, perhaps running back, if there's a value that's too good to pass up. That's what I will say. If there's a linebacker or a running back that is too good to pass up with the top pick, I think you're in a position to draft them. But I think we've alleviated corner with Jalen Ramsey, and we brought back Nick Needham. You're getting Troy Williams back healthy. You obviously have Cater and Xavier Howard. Like, you have to think you're not going to take on eight injuries in the corner room again like you did last year. So I feel like corners alleviated. I think you feel like the – Pressing need at safety with Deshaun Elliott has been relieved, uh, especially if Brandon Jones is healthy for the ready, ready for the start of the season. So it's those four spots, running back, tight end, offensive line spot, linebacker, I, I think are the, the four spots. And if I had to put them in order of urgency off of right now, I would still put tight end one and I'll put offensive line two. And those are the two that I think if you make the two picks on day two, in a perfect world, you could address those two however you needed to manipulate or go up or down the board to make sure you go get somebody who can can contribute positively to the team in, in year one. Rob wants to know if there's any chance that Noah Igbenogany improves with changing from a man scheme to his own scheme. And I would love to say so. I don't think so. Because I think Noah's best reps have always come when he's been able to get hands on receivers early squeeze and congest and then it's just the matter of finding the football at the catch point you could go back to the seattle game in 2020's rookie season right just before the half and they're in cover three and he drifts off his mark on a double move type route combination just before the end of half and gives up a huge explosive play where his instincts and feeling coverage uh, and spacing were not where they needed to be. And Seattle went after him and, and hit a big play and ended up stealing points before the end of the half. So um, that's always kind of been the thing with Noah as an inexperienced corner coming out of Auburn. And Auburn was a very, very man heavy dependent scheme during his time there, you know, Joe Marino and I talked with Roger McCreary in the spring of last year. And he talked about how man heavy they were early and how that, that kind of uh, instilled a lot of the man coverage instincts that he had before he was drafted in the second round of the Tennessee Titans last year. And um, where I think that Noah could have benefited was if he had the instincts to play in space, he probably would have been better suited to play safety. We haven't seen it. So I'm inclined to think Noah's best impressed man. And just, you, you just know, he's probably going to be a little grabby or a little high variance and not always locate the football. Well, now all of those things were true for Eli Apple as a first round pick. And, and he's going on to be a starter and, and play for Cincinnati the last couple seasons. So that's not to say he's, not destined to to get reps, but it certainly doesn't feel like this coaching staff has the the confidence there that would put him in a position to get uh, on the field. Skip 
Has this team improved at all so far? Last year, our defense was pretty good on paper, but not so much during the games. Has anything gotten better on the line in order to protect Tua? Um, has this team improved at all so far? Yes, I would say so. I think anytime you add Jalen Ramsey, anytime you swap out Elandon Roberts for David Long Jr. and the skill sets that are different there, and you reinstill your depth in the secondary with Deshaun Elliott by bringing Nick Needham back, getting Brandon Jones back at some point, even if it's not immediately for the start of the season, the Jalen Ramsey waterfall effect for what that does for all the corners behind him. And then the depth of Sean, Deshaun Elliott, I think the secondary, the, the depth issues there, at least for the time being are alleviated. And you'd like to think you're not going to get hit with that level of injuries two years in a row. I cannot understate the the impact that David Long as a football player as compared to Elandon Roberts for what they are capable of doing as three-down linebackers in the NFL is going to do for the Dolphins' defense. And then there's the Vic Fangio component versus Josh Boyer. So I'd stack those together. I'd say definitively this Dolphins' defense is aligned to be better than what it was last year. Offensively, um, I think it's still an incomplete picture. I wouldn't lie to you and say that the offensive line is better right now than it was last year. Again, they're banking on another year in the system, but they need to bank on new talent available for them as well. That's just not done yet. Now, the guard market is largely stagnant. Like we said, they didn't trade for Shaq Mason. Well, Shaq Mason was also $8.5 million. So, like, if you're ca not cash-strapped, but if you're being cap-strategic, I get it. I would have probably gone after it. We'll see. I mean, that post-June 1, every year for the past three years, there has been a quality guard that has signed in free agency somewhere. Trey Turner did it and, like, made the Pro Bowl on a one-year deal. So, again, if we, if we get to August 1st and the offensive line that we have is the offensive line that we have, then, yeah, I'm going to be pretty upset because that means you put all of the faith and run it back. I'm not mad at them not paying Mike McGlinchey $17.5 million and overpaying him by probably $7 million per season relative to the play that he put on the field. I'm not mad at them for not paying Juwan Taylor $20 million per season. I'm not mad at them for not paying Ben Powers $14 million a season. Right? Because at the end of the day, you're going to have to extend Robert Hunt. You're going to have to extend Connor Williams. So you can't you can't have a hundred million dollars wrapped up in your offensive line every year. It's it, there's got to be a balancing act there, and it seems like that's an area for the Dolphins that they want to try to incur a, a balancing act. Okay, well now you got to go out and do it. And if you fall flat on your face, just know you're going to get hammered for it. Fans are not going to let you off the hook for that. So we'll see see what they do. Uh, Jordan. Asking about the draft, wanted to give Jordan a shout out because I, I see your question. I see you asked about the draft. Um, JD Finns, if you or Chris Green had one final move left to do, it was either in the draft or in free agency or via trade, who would you try to get? Okay, so if I had to add one player, can I say B. John Robinson? <laughs> I, I know running backs, like it's, it's probably not going to happen. Uh, but but he is an elite player that that would bring a, an element here. Well, I I don't want to say I'd go after one of the high high vet guys because that's a big money bigger 
money contract at the position. Is there an offensive lineman we could go out and trade for? I would be trading for an established NFL starter somewhere. Would probably be my maneuver. Uh, DJ, if all three continued to progress, I doubt we would be able to afford to keep Waddle, Phillips, and Holland after their rookie contracts are up. So who would you be most upset to see go? Who is most likely to go? We are going to answer that as soon as I tell you all about our friends over at FanDuel. FanDuel, midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. So download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use, and then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and everything in between. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at bigger payouts with same-game parlay so if you see a lot of action on one specific game that you think is where you're going to make your hay on that given day FanDuel will let you do it so don't miss out on the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on that is fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more make every moment more with FanDuel an official sports betting partner of the NBA Bringing more questions here, including this one from DJ. I would say this, and, and let, me, let me make sure I'm speaking from a place of education here. Let me pull up my Dolphins year-over-year salary cap spreadsheet. And I want to look at Javon Holland's contract expires in 2025. In 2025, Jalen Waddle, by the way, will have a fifth-year option, as will Jalen Phillips. The Dolphins currently are scheduled to have $104.3 million in cap space in 2025. Now, that only includes a handful of players under contract, includes 11 players who are currently committed to under contract, excuse me, 10, Jerome Baker's on that list, but he is a void year. So you have 10 players under contract for $105 million, and there's there's other deals that you're going to have to get done in the meantime. You're going to have to get the Christian Wilkins deal done if you're going to pay Zach Sealer, you got to pay Zach Sealer. If you're going to pay Robert Hunt and Connor Williams, you're going to have to pay them. Uh, but that's Brandon Jones. Like you, you're going to have a nucleus of about 15 to 16 players that with cap hits will probably leave you with. Did I mention Tua Tungvaloa? No, I didn't. And that was not nefarious on my part, I promise. It was just because he was backed up to the bottom of the list of players that are under contract. So you're going to have Tua Tungvaloa, Robert Hunt, Connor Williams, Christian Wilkins, Brandon Jones. In addition to the 10 players who are under contract currently in Tyreek Hill, Bradley Chubb, Xavier Howard, Jalen Ramsey, Teron Armstead, Emmanuel Agba, Jason Sanders, uh, and then some guys who were rookies from this past year, Channing Tindall, Eric Ezekama, and Skylar Thompson. When it's all said and done, when you strategize that and move the cap numbers around, like right, you're probably talking about a nucleus of 15 players, probably somewhere around 60 to $7 million in cap space at their disposal, plus whatever players you add on top of that. I'm going to be honest. I don't see this being restrictive for them. I don't see, you know, you're getting Cedric Wilson's $8 million per season off the books at some point. You can move on from Emmanuel Agbo with no questions asked and save $19 million. 
I don't see any reason why, and especially with the the level of hits that those players were for the Dolphins, I don't see any reason why they can't run all those those three players back. Those are all cornerstone type players. I know everyone's worried about the cap because the cap's tight now. But 2023 and 2024 is kind of an established nucleus. And then a lot of it frees up for you to then make new decisions on who the nucleus is. And if if they continue to develop at the rate that they're at and Javon Holland, Jalen Waddle, and Jalen Phillips aren't a part of your established nucleus of team, then what the hell are you doing? And just give me honest. Second advent. Love the pod, hate the Patriots. Hate Belichick. New Mike was signing with them from the start. Still sucks. If his deal is reported, is as reported, one year, $6 million above the nine in incentives, would that have been worth it to keep as a big body receiver? No, not for me. Stack him up in this offense. Mike Gusecki is the blank best passing target in the offense. The Mike Gusecki will touch the ball at X highest rate of any player in the Dolphins offense. Include the backs. See your fifth option, arguably your third in the passing game. And he was that last year. He split it with Trent Sherfield, but he can't block. He's more one-dimensional. I would not have made paid Mike, period. It's it's just not a fit. In the same way that like you look at what Orlando Brown Jr. signed with to play left tackle for the Bengals, and you say, wow, like that wasn't quite the market you thought he was going to get when he played last year on the franchise tag. Sound familiar? Well, Orlando Brown Jr. is not really a fit for the Dolphins, so I would not have wanted him to be assigning even a, a advantageous economic value because he doesn't ideally fit what you want to do. Scheme fit does matter as far as, from my perspective, from team building and dollar spending. Now, there's some players who transcend scheme, and those are the players who usually end up being your roster cornerstones. I don't I don't put Mike in that stratosphere as a player, but that's just me personally, and that's, that's my opinion. And I know a bunch of people have different opinions on Mike, and that's, that's fine. Does Bill cheat? The dude abides. Does Bill Cheat actually benefit from former players providing inside info on Finn's playbook, or is he just like our other mid players? Um, I'd say this. I have some of the old Shanahan playbooks. So I've got my hands on them. You can be rest assured that there's, there's nothing in the playbooks as far as the play design that they don't know. It's how many different ways can you dress up a core concept and make it look like something else. And you only know that when you're in the building that week preparing for that specific game plan because they see, hey, this is how they line up when we go in 21 personnel and go three by one formational strength. And then we run jet motion. They bump the backers over. So we're going to run weak away from the jet motion because we're going to try to pick up an extra gap in that capacity. And then when they do that the first time and they adjust to it, then we're going to build off of that and we're going to know and anticipate that their adjustment is going to be to lock the safeties or change what the back end shell looks like. And then we're going to try to call a play action concept off of that that's going to try to get that safety who's holding down to get in the run fit box and catch him be more advantageous. Like that, that's you only know that when you're there the week game planning specifically. Belichick knows what wide zone looks like. So I don't think so. I don't, I don't think there's anything that Mike's going to bring from insight on what Mike McDaniel's playbook looked like that, that he doesn't already know. Uh, Chris, 
What's your prognostication for Greer's tight end one come August? Love the draft dudes with locked on. The dudes. Locked on NFL scouting. Um, and and then uh, Saba wants to know about right tackle. Why are they doing this to us? Are they that stubborn? Kind of going over right tackle. I, I wouldn't spend the dollars there for the, the guys that have come off the board. Trey Pipkins was the guy that I ID'd. He went for seven and a quarter. I would have been willing to spend up to eight. I guess their assessment of that was different. Now, I don't, I don't think there's too many missed opportunities yet versus players that I think actually would have been good fits for the economic status of the team, right? Because you, you'll look at right tackle and you'll say, well, they didn't do anything here. But there's three strings you'd have to pull to get one of those players at that cost that would create problems at other spots. I mean, if they, if they go out and they trade up and they, they draft Matthew Bergeron from Syracuse and he's a plug and play right tackle, I don't, like, I don't think they're complaining. And I wouldn't complain. Oh, this this time last year in free agency, we, we were getting ready to panic about offensive line before the Toronto Armstead shoe dropped. It could change with one move. Uh, in case in point, Chris wanted to know about my prognostication for tight end. One, I don't think it'll be a rookie. I think there's another veteran somewhere out there that they will, will go with, and that's kind of the challenge of being a win-now franchise, right, is you want to know what you're getting and you want to know guys are going to contribute at a certain level. Now, the amount of conviction that they have on perhaps one specific rookie is going to be the recipe for one rookie to be guy the guy that's added to the, the cocktail and, and be the final piece. That's going to do it for Power to the Pod today here on Locked on Dolphins. Appreciate you guys checking out the show this week, making it a great week of Locked on Dolphins content. Make sure you hit subscribe, follow, and you can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts here on the Locked on Network, your team every day. We don't just say it, we live it. Fins up, keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins.